You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Merry Christmas Eve, folks. Welcome back to the Locked On Irish Podcast. Today's episode, we will be recapping Notre Dame's victory over powerhouse Bellarmine. We will then transition to hitting on, you guessed it, more football awards. We're going to talk a little bit of player awards, some interesting coaching tidbits, all on today's show. Before we get into it, I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts. I'm a former college football player from the University of Rhode Island, and Ryan is the director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible. Ryan, how are you doing today? Are you excited for the holidays? Are you a big holiday guy? I don't. I can never tell. I, I actually am a big holiday guy. I'm not, I'm not okay. as big as like my wife is, or whatever. But like, I, you know, I got up and I'm like, all right, yeah, cool, man. You know, we're uh, we're getting ready for Christmas. We get to talk about Bellarmine basketball. Like, we're we'll be better <laughs> in life right now. So, right, right. No, I share the same sentiment. Trying to get everything done ahead of time so we can actually relax for two whole days instead of having to do extra work. But Christmas Eve. Hope you enjoy the holiday, folks. If you're not celebrating it. Um, I apologize, I guess, but I hope your holiday and your weekend goes well. Getting into talking about Bellarmine, though. Game played on Wednesday at noon, 81-70 to victory against a program that is brand new to the Division I ranks. This is a, a victory that I don't think we're very surprised about, but just hitting on some of the statistics that come out of this, Dane Goodwin, 27 points. Nate Leshevsky leads the team with eight rebounds. It's also worth noting that Trey Wirtz played a ton of time. And interestingly enough, Juwan Durham came off the bench in this game playing 24 minutes. So a little bit more of a, a time contribution than previously, but still not a lot of time in this game as he is slowly being phased out of the starting lineup. Do you think that's a little bit surprising? Like, are, are, are you are we are you on the same page as me right here that this makes sense that they're starting to phase him out now that they can use Wirtz a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense, right? Because Wirtz in before this past game, right, when he had twenty eight points in his in his second mm-hmm. game playing with the Irish, so we need to get you know some more scoring into that starting lineup. And I mean, let's be honest, Jawan Dorham was not doing much for us in his expanded minutes, so limiting his minutes, I think, is. A good, a good thought process, if nothing else. I mean, he still had three personal fouls in the 24 minutes, so like that's not going to go away, apparently. But six points, six rebounds, two blocks, like it's not terrible minutes. I, I've, and I feel like where we have seen the biggest advantage for most teams against us is, hey, the second unit comes in for, for the offense. We have to start cycling guys out and trying to find – well, hopefully cycling guys out. We know early on in the season we, we had no bench to, to you know even – think about and we had to really rely on what the starting five was we, we still only had two guys come off the bench with Dorham and, and, and Jogo but uh, I, I think that at worst Dorham brings us some size off the bench and it looks like Notre Dame's going to go a little more small ball but they have the potential there because Goodwin's on a nice little tear now Prentice Hub had a nice comeback game Leshevsky, man, I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a fan. Seven for seven from the floor, two for two from three. Wirtz did not have you know a great performance after his his kind of his breakout with Notre Dame, but I do like the move putting Dorham on the bench and, and getting some more shooters and getting some more scoring because if Notre Dame is going to have a shot this season, they're going to have to shoot well, they're going to have to score well, and they're going to have to just hold on and maybe win some 
some higher scoring games because it looks like they're not going to be a, a, a phenomenal defensive team. They're not going to be a phenomenal rebounding team because they just don't have enough players with size and, and rebounding ability to maybe you know be a huge factor on the glass game in and game out. And I honestly think that this move to put Durham on the bench might have also been a game type decision, a specific decision based on who they were playing. I think when they face teams that have bulkier and bigger centers playing at the five spot, they don't have to be anybody that's 6'10", but when you have strong, bigger guys, that's maybe when you choose to play Durham more or even start him. But when we talked about in the preview, this Bellarmine team was tiny, so I'm sure that uh, Coach Bray was thinking to himself, all right, let's just stick with a smaller lineup, the same lineup we ran with last game. We're going to run four guards, and it seems like Lashevsky has been playing technically that five spot, even though he's not really a center, and he's doing a pretty good job out there being the tallest player out there on the court. Overall, uh, one thing that stands out too, the very good rebounding day. That was something that we touched on, Ryan, when again, we were doing this preview. We said that Notre Dame is probably going to have an easier time rebounding, and they out-rebound Bellarmine 34-15. to That is a pretty big deficit in terms of rebounds that they were able to have that good of a game grabbing and, and cleaning the glass. And I don't know if this is something that we'll see on a reoccurring basis, maybe just because of the matchup and who they were playing, a very small lineup across the board, but it is positive to actually see a good performance on the boards. Well, we talked about Bellarmine's tallest player being six foot ten, but only playing five minutes a game. You know, it comes down to guys like Claycomb and Bradshaw. Like those are their six foot seven guys. And we even going to a smaller lineup, I don't think that Notre Dame is going to be a great rebounding team moving forward against some of the ACC teams and some of the bigger programs that they're going to face. But they knew in this game specifically, like, hey, it, it probably doesn't matter if we don't have Doran playing a ton of minutes or only you know our six foot eleven guy. Because we still have Lashevsky, who's about six foot ten, and we still have a couple guys that are right around six foot eight in this game against a Bellarmine. We have the opportunity to out rebound them because we do still outman them, even if we're not incredibly physical, physically imposing down low. But they, they had the advantage; they knew what they had to do, and I really think that this is a nice little test game for them to see what they have. Because they, again, this is a team that's going to be able to shoot well from the perimeter. Guys like Prentice Hub, Goodwin. Cormac Ryan, Trey Wirtz, Lashevsky, those are going to be guys that need to space the floor. Lashevsky's playing that five technically right now, but he is a he's a he's like like traditional pick and pop four. Like that's what he needs to do. He needs to space the floor a little bit. He's got nice touch for a big man. That's the way we're going to need to win. And we knew that against a undermanned Bellarmine team that that the rebounding would be definitely in our favor, but I don't think that, you know, looking forward now, it's nice that we out-rebounded them 34-15, to but I don't think Notre Dame fans should look now and be like, oh man, we're going to be a really nice rebounding team moving forward. This is kind of an outlier against an undermanned team, which is great. You know, we took advantage of what would make us successful against Bellarmine, but I don't think it's going to be a great indicator of what moving forward is going to be how Notre Dame needs to be successful. Ultimately, this was definitely a get-right game, a game that helped them get back on track as they looked sloppy against Purdue. They looked sloppy against Duke. Two straight losses. Get your feet back underneath you, a team that you're pretty much expected to beat. They didn't exactly blow them out and 
completely knocked them off by 20 points, but an 11-point victory is a strong one as they are now transitioning into ACC play. Just a quick look ahead at the schedule. December 30th, playing against Virginia uh, at 6 p.m. at home, and then after that on the 2nd, they're playing Pitt 2 o'clock. That is away. So those are the next two games to expect. We will be providing previews and recaps for both of those games. In a few minutes, we will discuss... Kyron Williams and Liam Eichenberg earning more awards and recognition and also being finalists on lists. Before we get to that, though, folks, I want to talk to you about Coors Light. These days, it seems like life forces us to be on all of the time. What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit that reset button and get ready for what's next? I know that after a long week, and I was talking about at the beginning of the show, this is a week where I try, I've try. i tried to get everything ahead, done ahead of time so I can just relax on Thursday night and also on Friday with my family. And the way that I'm going to do that and hit reset is kicking it back, putting on some bowl games, and drinking an ice-cold Coors Light. Watching football is therapeutic for fans as it is for me, and it is uninterrupted me time, an excuse to drink beer and chill. With minimal college football teams being on for the remainder of this year, Coors Light wants fans to know that there are still plenty of teams and sports out there that will allow them to relax and enjoy a beer. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team, especially Notre Dame, just to drink beer. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I also want to talk to you folks about Bet Online, our new betting sponsor. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into the bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. The NFL regular season is finishing up, and we are getting really close to the playoffs. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. That is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKED on for 50% off or sorry a 50% welcome bonus so if you put down a thousand dollars you will get another five hundred dollars to bet with I'll tell you this story folks and I I keep bringing up how I I don't actually I haven't put down any money yet to bet and I that is going to change for me as soon as I I I get my account set up after this week I'm going to start betting but I am always a go-to source for my friends when they want opinions what do I think my locks are and I never put money down the entirety of the season I've gotten every single game that I've given my friends except for one right don't be like me stop sitting on the sidelines and go put your money down and get some bets make some money if you have a a a feeling that somebody is going to get upset or someone's going to cover go make that money don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The holidays are about giving, so I'm giving you a hot tip that can earn you some extra cash. The new Locked On Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is a is red hot to start the season, and he is sharing a lock of the day on every single episode. Subscribe to Locked On Bets today wherever you get your podcasts. 
Now, Ryan, getting into the latest players to earn recognition for awards. First off, Kyron Williams earns ACC Rookie of the Year. And honestly, I'm really starting to get a kick out of these awards, Ryan, because we typically don't have conference awards for Notre Dame. They don't really typically win these things. If they actually want to earn any of these awards, they need to win a national one. And they come in only year that they're going to play in the ACC, and they're just sweeping the floor with everybody. They, they've taken all of these awards for the ACC, and then they're going to leave, and then it's going to go back to the normal teams. It's just such, I get such a kick out of this. Yeah, and these guys might be the only players ever that are all conference selections from Notre, in Notre Dame history. It's really bizarre and odd when you think about it that way. But in terms of Kyrie Williams, I mean, we talked about this all year, and I remember there was an episode specifically maybe like three or four weeks ago when he had gotten named to, I think at that time it was the Doak Walker Award list, and we we were just kind of saying, like, Kyron Williams has been such a catalyst for this team that he deserves every single bit of recognition that he deserves this year. Running back position going into this year, because last year we weren't able to really run the football with a high effectiveness as we would have liked, high efficiency. Tony Jones Jr. did a solid job, but like you knew it at like I mean going into the Georgia game last year, perfect example. We knew we weren't going to be able to run the ball very well. Brian Kelly apparently didn't know that he weren't going to be able to run the ball very well. It's because Tony Jones was a solid contributor, but he's not a special running back. And coming into this year, you knew you had guys like Jafar Armstrong, who was kind of like in the preseason, like, oh, is this Jafar Armstrong's breakout year? Uh, where are we gonna get from Kyron Williams? Is Chris Tyree going to get a bunch of playing time as a freshman? Those were, there were so many question marks. And what Kyron Williams has done, I can't sell this short. I, I need to just emphasize this so much. What he has done this year is not only the biggest surprise to me of this offense and of this Notre Dame team in general, but man, he has catapulted himself to those big names in all of college football. Talking about the Travis Etienne's, the Najee Harris's, Kyron Williams is right in that conversation. The Brees Halls from Iowa State. So many good running backs around college football. Kyron Williams deserves to be in that conversation every single time because that is what he not only has meant to Notre Dame, but next year as a third-year sophomore and now draft eligible, he's going to be a guy in NFL draft circles that you're going to hear about a ton because this kid is absolutely special. And having him with Chris Tyree coming back, getting bigger, getting stronger, and him going to be a a true sophomore next year, Notre Dame running backs for over the next couple years – It's going to be a ton of fun to watch, man. And it it is really nice to see that we finally have a playmaker at running back that we have been missing for a few years. And Chris Tyree deserves not only the ACC Rookie of the Year, but just in general, all of the accolades and recognition throughout the college football right now because he has been such a phenomenal football player this year. Right. And Kyron, this is really just the beginning of what we're going to see with him next year. He is going to be coming in with the expectations that he should be one of the best players in the country at his position. Maybe just generally, generally as an offensive player and a playmaker, he is going to be a player that whoever Notre Dame is facing next year, any given week is going to put a focus on trying to slow him down because he is very young. He's very talented and he's only going to get better going into next year especially if he continues to or decides to move on to that next level, he is going to be a prime player based on those physical traits. Now now hitting on the other award, Liam Eikenberg is currently a finalist 
for the Outland Award, which is a fantastic accomplishment. We're not sure if he's going to be the winner for this one, but yet another player who's getting gaining recognition for their talents at a specific position, the Outland for best overall just lineman, not offense or defense specifically. Who are some of the other candidates, Ryan? But what are your thoughts on this? Well, all right, so the candidates for the, the final three are Alex Leatherwood, from Alabama, offensive tackle, their starting left tackle. Obviously, Liam Eikenberg, our starting left tackle at Notre Dame. And Davion Nixon, defensive tackle from Iowa, who's really burst onto the scene this year. And I think in Mel Kuyper's most recent updates for his NFL draft perspective, I think he was a top 10 player in uh, this draft this year and a guy that has not really been talked about a, mu- a bunch you know, on the social media side of everything yet. But apparently, NFL teams are very high on Davion Nixon, the junior defensive tackle for Iowa. So breaking this down, though, and how much of does of a conversation should Lee Meikenberg be in this, and is does he have a real chance of winning? Davion Nixon, I feel like, is the guy, although it's a great story, and he's going to be you know a guy that NFL teams are obviously loving at the moment. I don't think that he has much of a chance just because he's coming from Iowa, who's not, you know, has not had a, a great season. They've had an okay season. They've had spurts of good things. He's probably been the best defensive tackle in college football, but you know he's he's on a program that is not having a really highlighted season and, and gaining a lot of accolades. So it's going to come down now to two of the top four teams in the country, Alabama, Notre Dame, and their starting left tackle. Now, most people would probably say it's probably Alex Leatherwood because he's been starting now for three years for Alabama. He's you know he's a starting left tackle. And I might be a little biased here, man, but like Alex Leatherwood, in my opinion, again, this is just, he's a good college football player, absolutely. But coming from an NFL draft perspective for a second, Alex Leatherwood has not been great this year. He's not been great really the last two years, if we're being honest. He's a big name who plays a marquee position for a great program and the number one team in all of college football. So he's going to get boosted up a little bit. But if we're just talking who has been the best player at their position for a top four team in the country, Liam Eikenberg's been better than than him over the last couple years, and especially this year. So it's going to be a race between Leatherwood and Eikenberg. If the people that are making this this decision, though, really go sit down and watch who was a better football player for their team, I would say Liam Eikenberg has the edge in this one. And that could be yet another award we see a Notre Dame player taking home. This is a national award, too. This is not conference specific like some of the other ones which those are still great but to win a national award is absolutely fantastic Eichenberg has improved his notoriety when it comes to being a draft prospect as well this upcoming season he's already been invited to the senior bowl so to see him already in contention for such a a prestigious award is a fantastic accomplishment as well in a few minutes we will discuss two more awards One not being handed out, the other one being handed out for members of the coaching staff. Uh, We will be right back in a short few. Folks, if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit that subscribe button as well. If you're looking for a Sunday pregame show that talks about every game and every team in depth, check out Locked on NFL Sunday live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time. No sketches, no celebrity cameos, no fluff, just football. Every Sunday morning with hosts Cody Rourke and Ross Jackson. 
Follow and subscribe on Locked On Live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And don't forget to turn on notifications to be notified when the show goes live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. All right, getting into the last part of today's show, we've got two categories we want to hit on. First, this one's not as... I don't think we need to go as in-depth on Brian Kelly earning ACC Coach of the Year. I saw some people on social media a little bit miffed that Mac Brown didn't win this one. Others were saying that he doesn't deserve it because of the way he played, or Notre Dame played, rather, in the ACC championship game. But I, I have to say, first year playing in a conference, only time in history playing in a conference, you come in and you go perfect in your in-conference schedule. Damn right it goes to Brian Kelly. I'm not giving it to Mac Brown. You can give it to him in the future. This is Brian Kelly's award. Yeah, and we, I mean, we saw the matchup that they have in North Carolina, right? If it's a head-to-head matchup, right. then uh, <laughs> Brian Kelly got the best of Mac in that situation, too. I mean, Mac's done a great job with North Carolina. There's no doubt about it. But, I mean, Brian Kelly was one victory over Clemson uh, away from probably being the national coach of the year, potentially. So, I think this makes a whole lot of sense. Dabo Sweeney's always going to be up there because he's an excellent football coach, and they had another, you know, one-loss season. But when you really look it up uh, – relative to expectations like at the beginning of the year you know before the season started I didn't think that Notre Dame would be sitting here as a top four team in the country at this point so Brian Kelly has exceeded expectations first time in a conference in the ACC and he handled business all year man like they might might not have ended in the ACC championship game like some people wanted but you can't discount the the entirety of what Brian Kelly was able to accomplish this year and when you put it up against you know if, if Mac Brown was the other guy that was the biggest you know um biggest competitor for this award, this biggest candidate for this award. Uh, we, again, we saw we saw when they matched up, and we saw that Notre Dame really, I think, exceeded expectations this year in their, in their first and probably only year in the ACC Conference. Now, this is the one where I'm, I'm a little bit annoyed on. Clark Lee was not named a finalist for the Broyles Award, which is the award for best assistant coach, coordinator, in college football, the finalists, Alabama's offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian, Indiana defensive coordinator Kane Womack, BYU OC Jeff Grimes, Northwestern DC Mike Hankwitz, and then lastly, Cincinnati DC Marcus Freeman. Now, some of these names I don't have any problems with, but I would argue that Clark Lee deserves to be on this list over uh, Mike Hankwitz, Hankwitz and also uh, Kane Womack. For what Notre Dame has done against some of the opponents that they've played, to not pick Clark Lee I think is incredibly disrespectful considering what he has done to shut down some of the elite running backs in college football. No, uh, I mean, I couldn't agree more. This this one definitely annoyed me a little bit. Clark Lee, I, I, I mean, I've been preaching it all year, man, even before the start of the year. Clark Lee is one of the best defensive minds in all of college football, and this is why Vanderbilt obviously made a big push to getting hit their former alma mater, um, former Former, I don't even know what former player, former player, former (laughs) alumnus. That's what I was looking for. Former alumni to come back to Vanderbilt. Obviously, they believe very highly in Clark Lee, as I do as well. So when you you mentioned a couple of names, I think that he probably should have been on this list. Um, At the end of the day, if if we're going to do a quick prediction here, I think just because you know the media has their darlings every year, Zach Wilson and BYU have been that way this entire season. So I think that, Jeff, one, made, that one annoys me the most. I know, but I, I think Jeff Grimes probably takes this one home. I mean, just looking at really, this, yeah, I, I think so. Him or Steve Sarkeesian? I, I think Sarkeesian's obviously oh. a big name. I think it's going to happen, Joe. I, I mean, when I'm looking at this, like I would love Marcus Freeman to get it, but like I don't think he will. 
We talked about Northwestern Indiana maybe being like replaceable names on this list, mm. even though they did exceptional job. I think it's going to come down to Grimes or Sarkeesian. If it's a bigger name, you're going to go with Sarkeesian. But if you're going to go with just like you know exceeding expectations, probably Grimes takes it okay. home. I think. But I look, I I get the Sarkeesian one. Alabama's offense has been fantastic, and they have a terrible quarterback running their offense. Not not very athletic <laughs> one. <laughs> but are you kidding me with BYU? What? It, I get it, they're a good offense, but who is BYU beaten? I get it. The only good it. team they played, they lost to, and it's Coastal Carolina. What, I get it. What does he do to earn that? What has I he get, done to earn that? I'm sorry for cutting I you know, off. I know, I understand. I understand. I understand your frustration. I get it, but it's it's relative to expectation, right? Uh. Nobody thought BYU would be a one-loss team to end their season. Nobody thought... Looking at what Zach Wilson was doing in 2019 and what that running game was doing in 2019, they were averaging like four yards a pop, and Zach Wilson was was off injured and inconsistent, and now he's you know what like 36 touchdowns, the three interceptions might be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Tyler Algier, um, a part of that running game, has been exceptional, like best one of the best offensive lines in college football, right up there with Notre Dame. Like it's it's very talented. I, I feel like Jeff Grimes is going to get a lot of notoriety in this situation. Or the Royals award, but I would think it's going to be between him and Sarkeesian just because those are the big names. And you know as well as I do, and this is probably the biggest thing here. Those are, I picked. I just picked out the two offensive coordinators as the likely candidates because that is the world that we live in now. Offense sells, so I think Sarkeesian and Grimes are the definitely the names that are going. It's going to be one of them. I would I would I would firmly put money down on that that one of those two offensive coordinators takes home that award. Yeah, I'd love to give this award to a team that only scored 27 points against UTSA. That that makes a lot of sense. Joe, you're arguing so I'm not, I'm not I'm coming at you. It. I'm not coming at. I'm not, I'm not coming at you. It. I'm not coming at you. I know I'm not. I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if they hand it to him and they give it to him, I don't disagree with your premise because I 100% agree that the people who pick these awards make a lot of mistakes and they don't actually pick the best coordinators. But the fact that Clark Lee is not on this list and Jeff Grimes, who scored 27 points against UTSA, is on this list is a joke to me. A complete and utter joke. Well, what if Sarkeesian wins it? Would you be okay then? Yeah, I'd be okay with it. Because okay, offensively, okay. they've been a good team and they play in the SEC. BYU plays nobody. They didn't play a single team, good team this year. Except Coastal Carolina. Just a prediction. I don't know. Okay. Don't, don't, right. don't kill the messenger. Just, just I know. Forget. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling into the void. Uh, you were yelling at me a little bit. It's okay, though. I forgive you. Well, you were defending him, so you know you came in the crossfire here of, of me shouting into the void. It's okay. It's okay. Fair enough. All right, <laughs> folks, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your holiday. Uh, additionally, stay tuned for Monday as we will hit on whatever the latest news are going on with Notre Dame Athletics. Follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, and at Locked on Irish. If you like the show, hit that subscribe button and also give us a review and give us a five-star rating. If you're looking for something else to tune into, head on to Locked On NFL to get yourself prepared for the NFL action this weekend. We'll talk to you next week, week folks, on Monday.